Third John, third John, right near the end of the Bible. You know, the very last book is Revelation. Before that is Jude. And before that is first and then second and then third John. Third John, I'd like us to just read the opening few verses of third John. And so if we could read that together, I'm just trying to find it myself. Uh, Third John, there's only one chapter. If we could read the first three verses, have a word of prayer, and then find out what God has for us. Third John, again, reading verse 1, 2, and 3. Let's read that out loud, beginning in verse 1. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you again for each one that's here. Lord, we recognize some of our folks aren't. Some are out of town, others at home mending. So Lord, I pray that you'd minister their hearts where they're at. But Lord, I pray that you'd help uh, so many that have come here this morning Help us, Lord, speak to our hearts as we continue to preach our way through the Scriptures. Help us to understand what John has written so many years ago. And, Lord, take heart, uh, take it to heart what, uh, what it has for us. Help us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I think that most of you that are regular here know that we preach through books of the Bible. And as soon as we have finished preaching through one book, we go to the next one, over this last year, we took 31 weeks to preach through 1 John. Five chapters long, of course, the theme of 1 John is ways that you can know that you're a child of God. The theme of 1 John is chapter 5 and verse 13. These things have written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that you have eternal life. We know that there's a place called heaven. You don't have to hope you're going to heaven. You don't have to try to go to heaven. You can know for sure that when you breathe your last breath, you're going to heaven. And of course, John drives that home in 1 John. When we get there, after we finish 1 John, then we preach through 2 John. And 2 John was really a warning. It was a warning against helping false teachers and false prophets. And so we know that John wrote 2 John to an unnamed Christian woman, and he commended her for her hospitality. But in her hospitable nature, he realized that she was opening her door and her home to anybody and everybody. And he warned her. He said, you don't want to do that. In fact, back up a page to 2 John, if you would. He said, there are two problems if you are hospitable to those that teach a false doctrine. Folks, practically, that would talk about a JW. That would apply to a Mormon today. Those people are also knocking on doors, but the doctrine that they bring is a false doctrine. So here John is saying, don't open your door, don't open your home. In fact, he said, don't even bid them Godspeed. Don't tell them you hope that they have a good day. Pastor, why? Well, he gave two reasons. You're there in 2 John, look there in verse 11. 
The Bible says, for he that biddeth him, that's that false teacher, Godspeed, is partaker of his evil deeds. God holds you as a participant of the false doctrine that they're teaching if you encourage them, if you open your home to them. That's the first consequence. But the second consequence, look there in 2 John verse 8. The Bible says, look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought. Wrought is worked for but that we receive a full reward. Do you know one day we're looking forward to getting to heaven and not only getting to heaven, seeing Jesus Christ, seeing God, but we're looking forward to getting to heaven to receive a real reward for what we have done for Jesus Christ since we got saved. You don't work to get saved, but after you're saved, you work because you are saved and you do things for God and you're involved in the work of God but here John says to this unnamed woman, if you encourage those that are promoting false doctrine, it could cost you some or all of your rewards when you get to heaven. So again, 2 John was a warning about being hospitable to false teachers. Having said that and having finished our look at 2 John, this morning we begin to look at 3 John. 3 John is, again, only one chapter long. It's one of five books that are only one chapter. In fact, by number of verses, we know that 2 John is shorter because 2 John only had 13 verses. 3 John had 14 verses. But by number of words, 3 John is shorter. And if you would, the theme of 3 John, now remember the theme of 2 John, don't be hospitable to false teachers. The flip side of that is what John talks about in 3 John. Make sure that you are hospitable to those that serve God, to those that bring the right doctrine. Make sure you do help them. Make sure you do encourage them. So really, 2 John and 3 John, if you would, are two sides of the same coin. 2 John, don't be helpful to false teaching. Third John, do be helpful to true teaching. Do be hospitable to those that, uh, that carry the right doctrine. And uh, say, well, preacher, where exactly do you get that? You actually get that from a number of verses. But look there in Third John, uh, verse number 5. Third John, verse 5, beloved, is writing to this particular man, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest, to the brethren and to strangers. Again, verse 6, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. So he's really saying you have been hospitable, helpful, encouraging to those that are carrying the truth. And again, at the very end of verse 6, he said, when you do that, thou shalt do well. So folks, as much as we have our guard up against false teaching, you also want to be known as being hospitable to those that have good teaching and right teaching and helpful teaching. And so there are some similarities between 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. They're all written by the Apostle John. They are all written later in John's life. He's probably 70 to 80 years uh, in the ministry 
70, 80 years rather old, and uh, he's probably, John, at the later stage of his life, is traveling from church to church. We call that an evangelist. But John is traveling from church to church trying to encourage those churches to do what right. Again, there are similarities between, but the contrast is very obvious. Second John, don't be a helper to those that teach false things. Folks, that would include radio preachers and TV preachers and internet preachers. Are we here? Give me your, is this on? Uh, that would include who you listen to. Some folks have this idea, I can't go to a church, so I'll just listen to church. You better be careful what you're listening to. Many of those ministries put out a plea for you to send funds to finance their work. You better be careful who you're sending your finances to. Because God holds you partly accountable if they teach false doctrine. God holds you partly accountable for that. Having said that, there is another contrast between 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. When you read the five chapters of 1st John, no names of people in that church are mentioned anywhere in those five chapters of 1st John. Uh, you'll find the name Cain, Cain and Abel. Cain is mentioned in 1st John, I believe it's chapter 3, but obviously Cain was not in that local church that John was writing to when he wrote 1st John. We find no names of anyone in local churches in 2 John. In fact, even the writer John, his name isn't mentioned. But when we get to this little book of 3 John, in 3 John, John mentions three specific people by name in that local church. And each one of those people represents a faction that can be found in every church. So if you're taking notes this morning, my title is Three Named Men of 3 John. Three Named Men of 3 John. Now again, John, older in life, we know that when Jesus' public ministry was unfolding, we know John was probably one of the youngest, if not the youngest apostle under Christ. By the time John writes these things, most of the other apostles have already passed away. John is now, may have been the uh, last standing of the apostles still left. And again, what we're looking at is three named men in that church that John's writing. And what we're going to find as we look at these three men is John is saying, you want to be around this kind as much as you can. And John is also going to say, you want to stay away from this kind as much as you can. Folks, all of us are the product of the influences that we're under. All of us act the way we do because we've been influenced that way. All of us believe what we do because we've been influenced that way. And John is saying the influences that you and I are under are going to form us and ultimately are going to influence what our church will be. From time to time, there are people that bring in new thoughts to a church, new doctrines to a church, new ways to a church. And that's where we need to be on guard. We need to be careful. Someone wrote this. This is my church. 
It is composed of people just like me. It will be friendly if I am. It will do a great work if I work. It will make generous gifts to many causes if I am generous. It will bring others into its fellowship if I bring them in. Its seats will be filled if I fill them. It will be a church of loyalty and love, of faith and service if I who make it uh, what it is am filled with those virtues too. Therefore, with God's help, I dedicate myself to the task of being all these things I want my church to be. And so again, it's obvious. A, a church becomes what its people are. I remember there was a sign where I went to Bible College in North Carolina. There was a sign up at the very front. And that sign said, if every member of the church prayed like I pray, what kind of church would this church be? That's quite a thought. I, I suppose you could carry on to some other things. If every member of the church attended like I attended, what would this church be? If every member of the church read their Bible like I read my Bible, what kind of church would this church be? If every member of the church witnessed like I witness, what kind of a church would this church be? I know sometimes folks are in a church and they're so glad that that church does whatever, but they don't do it. And so, again, we're looking at 3 John. It's the flip side of the same coin. And John is naming three. And we're going to see these three. Look at the very first one, 3 John, verse 1. John writes, The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. The very first of these three named people is this man named Gaius. Now, that's not a common name today. Um, it's probably not a desired name today like Robert or John or Bill. But you know, in Roman times, that name Gaius was a common name. In fact, that name Gaius shows up five different times in the Bible. We have time to look at it. Would you quickly turn Acts chapter 19? Keep you would third John, but Acts chapter 19. Again, five different times we find the name Gaius is mentioned, and uh, except for two of those verses that might be the same, I think that these are all different men. Look there in Acts 19, and look at verse number 29. The Bible says, And the whole city was filled with confusion, and having caught Gaius and Aristarchus, men of Macedonia, Macedonia is a province. So here there was a Gaius that was from the province of Macedonia. That's the very first mention of this name. Look there in Acts chapter 20, very next chapter. Acts chapter 20 and verse 4. The Bible says, And there accompanied him into Asia, Sopater of Berea, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus, and Gaius of Derbe. Well, Derbe is a city, but it's a city in a completely different province. It's the province of Asia Minor, we call it Turkey. So that's a different Gaius. I'm just trying to show you that this name Gaius is a common name. Look there, if you would, uh, next in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. First Corinthians, in fact, just before we get to that, look at Romans chapter 16. After Acts is the book of Romans, Romans chapter 16, and verse number 23. Romans chapter 16 and verse 23, uh, Paul writes this, Gaius mine host, and of the whole church saluteth you. Paul is writing this book of Romans from Corinth. 
Paul is in a home that's being hosted by this man named Gaius. So now Gaius, he lives in Corinth. Likely that's a third man named Gaius. Now look there in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Just turn the page if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 14. When Paul later writes to this church that he started in Thessalonica, verse 14, I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius. So here is Gaius in the city of Corinth. That could be the same one that he mentioned in Romans 16. And now again to 3 John, again verse 1, the elder unto the well-beloved Gaius. Say, Pastor, is that the same? He's probably a different one. Not because we know the city is in, but because of the date. There's probably 30, 40 years difference between 3 John and what we just read in Acts, Romans, and 1 Corinthians. I'm saying to you that uh, these could be five different Gaius. Pastor, what's your point? The very first point is this man Gaius, and he mentioned him, and he evidently is a dear friend of John. Look there again at 3 John, verse number 1. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. This man was a close friend of John. And this man was hospitable. He opened his home just like that unnamed Christian in 2 John. Preacher, where do you get that? We'll look at it again in verse number 6. This is what people said of Gaius about him. They said, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church. So this man, Gaius, was a charitable man. Many times when we use that word charitable, we're talking about people that give funds to those in need. But that's not exactly what he was doing. Look again, verse number six. Which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. What he did was he was hospitable. Back up to verse five. Beloved, again writing to Gaius, Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers. We're trying to assemble the details of this man named Gaius. Hey, preacher, what was so great about this man? Whenever there was somebody in need, he was quick to open his home. Now, I know that's the same thing about the woman in 2 John. But she was opening her home to false teachers. That's why John had to warn her. Not this man. This man was careful who he opened his home to, whether they were family or other church members or whether they were complete strangers. This man, Gaius, he opened his home to that kind of people, and John was commending him for that. I know that missionaries and evangelists travel now. They have all kinds of options where they'll stay. This missionary we have tonight, Sarah Vong, he'll stay in our home. And, and I think in 34 years, I think we've only had maybe three times in 34 years where we have put a missionary or an evangelist up in a hotel. We've saved an awful lot of money by being able to put them up in our home I've had other younger pastors just getting started and said, any advice on a home for me to buy? And I've said, yes, buy a home big enough that you can house 
some preachers that travel through. It'll save your church a whole lot of money. I'm saying to you, in our day and age, there's all kinds of options where missionaries could stay. Could stay in a hotel. They could stay in a motel. They could stay at a bed and breakfast. They could stay in all those kind of things. But you know, in Bible times, there weren't that many options at all. In Bible times, it was very difficult for someone that was traveling with the gospel either to find a place that would house them or to be able to afford a place that would house them. And here, John is commending this man, Gaius, because he constantly opened his home for that. Folks, I, I didn't pick the text. John wrote the text. John is commending this man, Gaius, for his hospitality to other Christians. Are you hospitable? Are you looking for ways to be a blessing? Are you looking for opportunities to encourage those that are in the work of God and help them down the road just a little bit farther? Look there in verse 7, uh, 3 John verse 7. Sometimes those people won't ask for a place to stay. Sometimes those people will think that's presumptuous for a place to stay. Look there in 3 John verse 7. Because that for his name's sake, that's Christ's name, they went forth, that's these preachers and teachers, taking nothing of the Gentiles. So John was saying there are many of these that are traveling in the ministry, they won't ask. They won't tell you the needs that they have. They won't presume upon your food or upon your house or upon your kindness. That's why he said they won't take anything of the Gentiles. But John commends this man, Gaius, you're not waiting for them to ask you. You are approaching them before they even ask you. And he says, that's a commendable thing. So if you're taking notes, we're looking this morning at three named men of 3 John. And the first of those three is Gaius. He was a commended man. Gaius, he was a commended man. The Apostle Paul constantly prayed that somebody would take care of him as he passed through. Let me show you some of those verses again. Keep your hand in 3 John and look, if you would, in Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter number 15. I know many, many years ago, our church was making a decision whether we would become the sending church but what was unusual was it was for a family that wasn't even part of our church. This missionary who had another home church had asked us, would, you, would Golden Plains Baptist Church become my sending church? And, uh, you know, I didn't know all the responsibilities of that. I did a Bible study that sometimes we are a sending church. Sometimes we are just a supporting church. You know, we support 42 missionaries. They aren't all sent out from our church. Many of those on that board, we simply support. Some of them on that board were the sending church for them. But there are others that never made it to the board that were simply a stopover church. They, they simply passed through 
we help them on their way to get to the next spot, why would we do that? It's hospitality. Now, you're there in Romans, chapter number 15, Paul constantly counted on churches to do just exactly that. Look there in verse number 24. Uh, back up to verse 23. Uh, Paul is writing, but now having no more place in these parts. Paul's at Corinth when he writes this. And having a great desire these many years to come unto you. Paul wants to stop by at Rome, verse 24. Whensoever I take my journey into Spain... I will come to you, that's the Christians in Rome, for I trust to see you in my journey and to be brought on my way thitherward by you. I, I wish I had a map. I think of these things when it's too late. Paul is writing and, and Paul is saying, my intention is to go to Spain. That's way out west. He said, on my way to Spain... I plan to stop and visit you Christians in Rome. He said, when I visit you Christians in Rome, I trust that I will be helped to get to Spain by you. I trust that you will help me to be able to do that. Look again at Romans 15, uh, 15 24. He says, whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you for I trust to see you in my journey and to be brought on my way thitherward by you. So he's just saying to this group of believers in Rome, I trust that you take care of me. Now, Paul was bolder than most, because most wouldn't ask. We just had these three preachers, some brought parts of their family with them to our camp meeting. And you know what, that newsletter, I didn't bring it, uh, but that newsletter that we just received, a thank you note from Pastor Ray, he said, as a preacher, I don't have an opportunity to get a side job. I, I could, but normally a preacher can earn extra money for extra needs by getting a side job. He said, we just trust in the work of the ministry that churches will take care of us. If you had an extra need, you might have means of making some extra money for it. Many times if a preacher or missionary has an extra need, he is totally at the mercy of churches helping him take care of that. And that's what Gaius did. Every time somebody came through, how can I help? Would a meal help? Would a night to stay help? John commended him for that kind of thing. Paul counted on that kind of help and that kind of hospitality. Uh, we've seen that Romans, look there in 1 Corinthians, very next book, 1 Corinthians, after Romans, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Now, I, I say this, one, because it's our text. But you know, in our prayer list Wednesday night, we, we listed uh, the love offerings we gave each of these preachers. And I know that sometimes we read that and say, whoa, whoa, way too much. Really? We're just trying to help them on their way. We don't know what needs they have behind the scenes. We're just trying to be good. We're trying to be helpful. We're trying to make up maybe where some other church didn't even meet the needs. Paul said that in Romans 15, I trust that you will help me on my way to Spain. Uh, we find that same kind of thing here in 1 Corinthians 16. Look there in verse 5. 
Now I will come unto you, he's saying this to the Corinthian church, when I shall pastor Macedonia, for I do pastor Macedonia, and it may be that I will abide, yea, and winter with you, that ye may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. For I will not see you now, by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you, if the Lord permit. Again, Paul was looking for that church to help him get to the next spot. I give you one more reference on that. Look there in Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. Pastor, why are you preaching on this? Because this is exactly what John is commending Gaius for doing. John is saying that's the kind of pattern that you want to follow. Titus chapter 3, and look there in verse 13. Paul, writing to Titus, he said, Bring Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their journey diligently, that nothing be wanting unto them. So here, Paul is mentioning two other believers that could be a great help to Paul. But Paul is saying to Titus and that church in Crete that Titus is pastoring, that would you please help these two men to come to me, again, end of verse 13, that nothing be wanting unto them. He said, would you take care of all their needs so they can get to me? Folks, I, that, that, it's, it's just kindness. It's just hospitality. Now, is that you? Is that your character? Is your character not to wait till somebody asks for help? Instead, is your character looking for ways that you can be helped? And I know that there's 100,000 people in the world that would have their hand out for help. He's not talking about that. He's talking about these that are in the ministry. These that are traveling with the gospel to help other works. He's saying Gaius was the kind of character that opened his home and opened his heart. And may that always be true for Golden Plains Baptist Church. You know, the only reason that we can do camp meetings and the only reason that we can do teen conferences and revivals is because God has blessed this church with a host of people just like Gaius. How can I help? Is it lodging? Count on my home. Is it preparing food? Count on my help. Is it organizing a children's program? I'm in. Is it helping babysit children in the nursery? Write my name down. That's the kind of character that Gaius was. And that's the kind of character that John is commending. So again, we're looking this morning at three named men of 3rd John. And the first one we see is Gaius. He was a commended man. You know, uh, the Bible talks about Christians helping Christians. And the Bible talks about opening our home to be a blessing to other believers it's not only commendable, but it's something that Christ commanded us to do. The Bible says, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. The Bible says, as ye have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. And when you're of the character of Gaius, 
Do you know other people will notice that? Back there, if you would, to 3 John, they noticed that Gaius was of that heartbeat. Look there in 3 John, verse number 3. 3 John 3, again, John is writing, For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. So John is saying, Gaius, people are talking about your hospitality. That's a good statement. Look at verse number four. John says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. That's an odd statement to be thrown right in the middle of that, other than, I wonder if John was the one that led Gaius to the Lord. He's been talking about Gaius. And after he talked about Gaius' hospitality, verse 4, John said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children, Gaius, no doubt, was someone that John had led to Christ. So he says, verse number 3, when you're hospitable, people will know it. Verse number 4, when you're hospitable, the ones that led you to Christ and invested to help you grow in the Christian life, it'll bring them tremendous joy. And then one more time, look there in verse number 5. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, when you're hospitable, he said, what a blessing it is to the ones that you help. I wonder how many were helped by Gaius and his kindness. Pastor, give me just one good reason why I should share what I have with other people. You know, it's easy to share it with family. We that have family, how easy it is to open our door for them to come in. How easy it is to set another plate on the table so we can... Folks, that's natural. It's natural that you would open your hearts and your homes for those that are part of your own flesh and blood family. But for you to do that for somebody that's not part of your family, for you to do that even to someone that you have never met before, that's unnatural. In fact, that's supernatural. Pastor, why should I do that to somebody that's not part of my family? Look there in verse number 8. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. Could I say this? Second John. In Second John, John warned that, warned that unnamed Christian, don't be a helper to those that promote false teaching. But here in 3 John, he commends Gaius for being a helper to those that had true teaching. He said, you get a part of the work, and, and, and you get recognized for the good work that they've done. And you get rewarded for the work that they've done. First one's Gaius. May God help every Christian in this church to be exactly that. Keep your hand there again, 3 John, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter number 4. I'm saying we get a part of their reward. We get a part of their fruit. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, look there in verse 15. 
Philippians 4, verse 15. Uh, now you Philippians know also that in, in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. Paul is commending the Philippians for helping him as he traveled in the ministry. Verse number 16. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again on the mindness. So it wasn't just, wasn't just a one-time thing. Paul is saying to these Philippians, how many times have you helped me in the ministry that I'm doing? Verse number 17. Not because I desire gift. Paul's not writing this because he's looking for another handout. Verse 17. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Paul said, listen, as you help me, God blesses you. As you help me, God rewards you. As you help me, the fruit that I gain, you are a partaker of that same fruit. Folks, that's why a church supports missions, not only to get the gospel out, but when those missionaries take the gospel to those countries, as they bear fruit, we get part of that fruit. There's no telling when we get to heaven and stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And God says, I know the day that you got saved. And I know that the service that you did for me since you got saved. But these rewards I'm giving, well, Lord, what's that for? I never did anything in Africa. Why would I get a reward for African work? Because you helped a missionary going to Africa. Why would I get a reward for a work done in Germany? Because you supported some missionaries in Germany. He said, Gaius, that's your heart. And he commended Gaius for just exactly that. I give you a second person that we're introduced to there in the book of 3 John. Would you look there in verse number 9? So the first 8 of 14 verses, he talks about this man Gaius. Verse number 9. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. So the second named person in this book of 3 John is Diotrephes. We don't read his name anywhere else in the Bible. This man was in this same local church that Gaius was. And instead of being like Gaius that opened up his home when he found somebody in the work of God that was traveling through this Diotrephes did exactly the opposite. When John came through town, Gaius said, you need a place to stay? Well, then you're staying with us. <laughs> you eating food yet today? Then you're eating with us. That was Gaius. Well, John says, you know what? I came through your town many a time. And he said, I wish they all were like Gaius. But he said, not Diotrephes. He's another man in the church. Look again at verse 9. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Diotrephes, I'm not opening my door to him. I'm not inviting him to sit around my table. Forget it. It says he receiveth us not. What a different spirit that is of somebody in the same church. In fact, not only he didn't open his home and his heart to this John that came through. Look at verse number 10. 
Second John in verse number 10, Wherefore, if I, will, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words. Whoa! Not only did this Diotrephes not open his home and his heart to help John and those others as they passed through. Boy, he, he went out of his way. It says he was prating against them. That, that was uh, slandering them. That was lying about them. That was using his tongue for evil purposes. That was destroying John and these others in the ministry. He not only didn't open his heart and his home to help out John, Boy, we, he went out of his way to destroy John's character. He went out of his way to destroy John's testimony. He went out of his way to do everything he could to hurt somebody else in the ministry. Keep reading. Look at verse 10. So one, he didn't receive John. Verse 10, Wherefore, if I come, I'll remember his deeds, which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith. If that wasn't enough, John says, that he didn't open his home, that he slandered us every chance that he could, but read there again, middle of verse 10, and not content therewith, if that wasn't enough, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. What an evil man! <laughs> Listen, this is John the Apostle. This is John the Elder. This is one of the original 12 apostles under Jesus Christ. Now John could very well be the last standing apostle at this time. When he comes to this particular church, boy, Gaius said, hey, you coming for supper? And John said, I, I never said anything. He said, I know, are you coming for supper? What a sweet spirit that is in a church. But not diatrophies. He not only said, listen, sorry, Buster, <laughs> get your own place to stay. Get your own food to eat. He maliciously maligned John and the fellow workers with John. And if that wasn't enough, when he found somebody else in the church who did open their home to John, he gave them a hard time. That means that Gaius was on the receiving end of some very critical words by Diotrephes. Folks, you and I want to be just like Gaius. The last thing we want to be is like Diotrephes. May God spare us from that kind of a spirit Pastor, why did he do that? Why was this man so evil like that? Well, we're given a hint, verse 9. John said, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them. It was so important that people viewed Diotrephes as number one, as the best, as the right one. Uh, and if he wasn't, he was going to assassinate anyone else that was his competition. Preacher, that's terrible. Could I say to you, you don't have to be the best 
So, preacher, I'm not. Well, then relax. Could I say you don't have to be the best? You don't have to be the best preacher. If you're a preacher, just preach for God. You don't have to be the best singer. If you sing, just sing for God. You don't have to be the best teacher. If you teach, just teach for God. You don't have to be the best musician. If you're a musician, just play your music for God. You don't have to be the best cook. But if when you cook, if you'll do it to be a blessing to people, that's what Gaius, Gaius didn't have to be the best. But Diotrephes, it was so important that he be the best. He had to have the preeminence above everyone else. And if somebody else threatened his first place position, he went out of his way to assassinate that person's character. Well, you don't want to be like that. We just had three preachers in. I think they preached great. So, Pastor, I, I'm not sure I like the one guy. <laughs> Listen, they don't all have to be the best to appreciate the fact that they're doing it for God. Diotrephes was so zoned in on people have to see me and people have to notice me and people have to like me more than anyone else and if anyone comes in my way they're out of here what a spirit i, I give you this we're looking at three named men in third john first main, named man was gaius he was a commended man he was commended for his hospitality the second one is this man, Diotrephes. He was the condemned man. John didn't have anything good to say about this man. Pastor, why? Well, first of all, he was a self-promoter. Anyone that stood in his way, he had to attack. Not only was he a self-promoter, but he was insubordinate. I mean, listen, John was one of the last standing apostles. Surely they should have had some respect for a man that had been in the ministry that long. Not this man. Third thing about this doctor fees, he was slanderous. He'd say anything and everything to whittle down the reputation of somebody else. Fourth thing, he was vindictive. Look again in the middle of verse 10, talked about this man. He said, not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Anyone that stood in his way, he was anxious to get rid of that someone. And look there in verse number 11. Beloved, follow not that which is evil. You know, John's summation of this second man, just evil, just evil. Pastor, that's a horrible thing. You know what? That man, Diotrephes, caused a lot of hurt in that church. But he not only hurt John and hurt others, he hurt himself. And likely he hurt his own family. Now, when I went to Bible college, we had all kinds of people in the church, White Plains Baptist Church. But we had a particular family in that church. 
the man of that home had nothing good to say about the pastor, nothing good to say about the deacons. He had nothing good to say about the Sunday school teacher. He had nothing good to say about the youth director. He had nothing good to say about anybody in that church. And quite honestly, we, we scratched our head and said, what do they come here for? Because they're always critical of anybody that's trying to do something for God. They wouldn't, but they're critical of those that would. Well, one day, that man came to our pastor and he said, I need your help. <laughs> and the preacher said, how can I help? And he said, my own kids don't want to come to church here anymore. He said, well, where do they want to go to church? He said, they don't want to go to church anywhere. He said, is there, is there something that you can say that will help them? You know what Brother Lackey said? You have shut that door. You have destroyed my ability to influence them. Because every time I tried to help, you shot it down. You don't want to be like that. You want to be like Gaius. He's the commendable man. You don't want to be like Demetrius, Daphnes, or <laughs> He is the condemned man. I give you a third thing. We're just about done. Uh, we've seen Gaius, we've seen Diotrephes. Uh, look there, if you would, in 3 John, verse 12. Demetrius hath a good report of all men. Now, this is a third man. So, we were given eight verses on Gaius. We were given three verses on Diotrephes. Do you know we're only given one verse of this third man? His name is Demetrius. Look there in verse 12. Demetrius hath good report of all men, and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record, and you know that our record is true. The very last verse that John used to write about the second man. Look at it, verse 11. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. So after John took three verses to talk about Diotrephes and then warned, don't follow a guy like that. Don't follow somebody that's evil like that. Follow somebody instead that's good. Well, I'm trying to get this together. He's taken eight verses to talk about Gaius. Good example. He's then taken three verses to talk about Diophanes. Bad example. Now, this Demetrius, look what he says about Demetrius. He said, Demetrius hath a good report, and of the truth itself, yea, and we also bear record, and you know that our record is true. Do you know up to verse number 12, John had mentioned two kinds of people. He mentioned the Gaius, and he mentioned the Diotrephes. And I think the reason that he mentioned Demetrius in verse 12 is so simple. Demetrius had a choice who he was going to follow. He was either going to follow the Gaiuses in his church, or he was going to follow the Diotrephes 
in his church. And he said, you know what? He picked the right one to follow. If you're making notes, Demetrius, he was the congratulated man. He made the right choice of who to follow. Again, Demetrius was the congratulated man. Do you know this third man chose to follow the example of Gaius? And his name was Demetrius. Notice, because of that choice, verse 12, said, Demetrius hath a good report of all men. He made the right choice. He followed the right example. He now had a good report of all men. Keep going there in verse 12. And of the truth itself, his life matched the word of God. Then the end, verse 12, he says, uh, and... Uh, we also bear record. And so Demetrius was commended in three places. He said because he picked to follow the right example, Gaius, he said all men speak well of him. He said the word of God speaks well of him. And he said we speak well of him too. I say Demetrius was the congratulated man. Preacher, I didn't think it was possible for a Christian to have a good report by other Christians and the world. Do you know the world might not like our doctrine, but the world should not have no objection to our character, our honesty, our punctuality. I'm saying to you that this man, Demetrius, he had a good report. And uh, if you have a good report, God can do something with you. I looked up that word, term good report. It's only used three times in all the scripture. First one is Ananias. He was one after Paul first got saved. God used that man, Ananias. It says he had a good report of all the Jews. If you have a good report because you've chosen to follow those which you're doing what's right, God can use you to minister to other people. Second person in the scripture that had a good report was Cornelius. The Bible says even before he got saved that he was of good report among all the nations of the Jews. Do you know if you have a good report, God will make it possible to, for someone to bring to your ears the truth that will help you. The third one that has a good report, it says of preachers. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without. Let me tie this together. There are three people mentioned in Third John. First, had a great testimony. Gaius. He was hospitable. He didn't wait to be asked to fill a need. He looked for needs to fill, and he filled them. Over half the verses in 3 John commend that man. Gaius was the commended man. Second one that we found here in 3 John was Diotrephes. And Diotrephes was a bad example. Diotrephes, uh, with his mouth, hurt as many people as he could. He hurt John. He hurt the fellow workers of John. He hurt the church. He hurt people in the church. That's why I say that Diotrephes was the condemned man. But the third one was Demetrius. He was the congratulated man because he followed the right example. And you know, if you and I choose to follow the right example, there's no telling what God could do with us.
If we follow the wrong one, what a difference. You know, the year was 1993. The event was a cross-country running race. It was a track and field championship. 128 runners set out for a 6.2-mile run. And they followed a course that had been marked out clearly by the race officials. But toward the end of that course, one of those runners in the middle of the group realized something was wrong. And he tried to stop other people because the rest of the people were, took a turn in that course. And this man knew that they were taking the wrong turn. And he tried to stop others from following those that took the wrong turn. He said, no, it's not that way, it's this way. This is the way they were supposed to go. But because the rest of the crowd was following those people that were going the wrong way, he could not convince but four others to go the right way. When they finally got to the end of the course, because so many had gone the wrong way, they actually got to the finish line first. And it came down to where the, the, the leaders of that whole race had to make a decision. And strange as it would seem, the leaders of that thing decided because the majority took a shortcut and it wasn't the right path. But because the majority did that, we are going to accept their placement. They're going to be the ones at first, second, third, fourth, fifth. These five that went the right direction, when the medals were finally passed out, the first who tried to get the attention of everybody else, they gave him a 123rd spot. <laughs> he said, Pastor, that is so unfair. I mean, he's one of only five that went the right way. This world may never recognize if you go the right way. They might never congratulate you for going God's way. But you know when it's all said and done, God knows what's right. If you were the only gayest in a church that looked to be a help to others that were doing the work, if you were the only one and everybody else was consumed about themselves, God will one day set it straight. God will one day reward you for it. Again, the theme, uh, the theme of Second John, don't help those that are false teachers. Don't do that. The theme of Third John is make sure you are a helper to those that are indeed doing a work of God and whether your labors and whether your helps are ever recognized by others on this earth, God will recognize it. 